If you've ever thought about starting your own podcast, consider Anchor Media. Hi, everybody. It's Rob Smith with the Lighter Side of Dark podcast with Solio and Smith. And I want to tell you a little bit about our good friends at Anchor Media. It's real easy to get started. Basically, go to the internet, search for Anchor Media. It'll come right up on your browser. Take an opportunity to follow the step-by-step videos, and you could have a podcast going just exactly as Solio and I have for the past six seasons. So uh, check them out, Anchor Media. Where you go from there is completely up to you, but they'll get you started. Anchor Media, the place for podcast beginners. Hey everybody, this is the LSD Podcast. First of all, thanks for listening. Second of all, you're not being forced to. During our podcast, we will attempt to entertain you, make you think a little bit. We believe in the First Amendment and our right to our own opinions. You may disagree, and you can always vocalize those disagreements with us. But if you're easily offended, we're probably not the podcast for you. We try to make you think of things from a lighthearted side. We talk politics. Yeah, and occasionally we even bash religion. And we make fun of certain groups and even ourselves. So if you're that easily offended, please don't listen to our podcast any further. You're not being forced to. Now, let's try to be entertaining. Welcome to The Lighter Side of Dark, Season 7, one of the fastest growing podcasts in the U.S. Now, here to make your eyes roll and attempt to entertain you are Solio and Smith. Milk? Epe. It's on to Epe. On milk, on to Epe. Milk on to Epe. That's going to be our uh, merchandise. It's going to be Moda. How do you have a sp- Oh. M-O-T-A. I was just going to ask you how the hell you spell that. Milk onto Epane. Okay. So we can do our preview. We have our little logo cool. right on the little pocket and all that kind of stuff right there. Moda. So. Moda mouth. All right. So uh, ask me about my foot. Man. How's your foot doing? I see you uh, wearing a giant boot. And Jesus it's not Christ. for fashion. No, it's definitely it's a Frankenstein boot for God's sake. No, it looks like I've got a broken fibula and a broken tibia both at the base at the a place where it's really hard to break them, according to the orthopedic. But, but you found a way. I found a way. And I uh, had to go for an MRI today. Worst MRI I've ever had done. And here's why. You have to put your foot in a boot thing, kind of like I'm wearing, and you cannot move it. You can't wiggle your toes, can't do anything. And the position they have you in is like this, you know, 90 degrees. Right. And I don't care what music they were pumping through that headphone. It was painful. Yeah. Truly painful. Yeah. Now... How long is this cast, this boot, have four, to... Four to six weeks. Six weeks. So you're, like, by the end of this, you're going to... Now, I, I know you. If there's anybody who's going to be able to wait to figure out a way around this, how to work, how to do your hobbies, you'll figure it out. Yeah, I'll figure it out. By the end of this, you're going to be, like, doing, like, cartwheels and... Well, see, I've, I've been through this before. 17 years ago, I tore my Achilles on my right foot okay. and had to wear this an, almost the exact same boot. But I was in a wheelchair for almost three and a half months because they don't even want you walking with a torn Achilles. So you've been even more immobile then. Yes. And as, as much as this is a deterrent, and you know, if you've ever had a boot of this size, I could tell you it's a lot of limping around because it's, it's heavy and it's, and it's stiff because you can't really move your, your leg around. But it's the stiffest it, part of my body. I'm telling you that right now. That tells you something, because uh, he took something four hours ago. And anyway, and he must have an enormous Schwanstucker. Oh, you've met my friend Hans, though, exactly. I see. Exactly. It's, it's, it's good to see Wolfgang. Yeah. Yes. So, uh, yeah, I, so I got to deal with that. They're concerned about maybe the tendon is torn uh, in addition to all that. Just uh, so tell them it's like a football injury or something. They'll believe you. Yeah. You, know, you, were, you were doing something like that. They don't have to know it was 
slipping on a bar Dude, stool. I'm telling you what, I can do the Captain Morgan like a son of a bitch right now. I Just believe lift it. the left leg and I'm already in position, mm-hmm. ready, ready to rock and There's roll. advantages. So uh, we had a, uh, a fun little uh, event on uh, Saturday night. We did the, uh, the really wet game. At a local bar in at the Newport uh, Ritchie area. What a big shout out to Molly Malone's, located on a little road. Uh, Brad, the owner there, great guy. It was fun. It was Megan, crazy, but it was fun. Megan, the bartender, awesome. She, she really was, dotted her eyes and crossed her teeth. She, she was, was fantastic. Phenomenal. She was on top of everything, and I don't mean it the way it sounds. I mean like she was efficient. Oh, well, she, she, <laughs> not everyone, everything. Good luck. I'd let her. I'd let her be on top of me if I had problems. <laughs> But uh, she was great. She 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 uh, had like could handle. I would have no problem with her on top of me. My wife, on the other hand, might mm-hmm. have an issue with her being on top of me. Big or problems. who knows? I haven't asked my wife. She might be into it. Never I don't know. know. I don't know. You don't know if you don't ask. That's so, the um, have we ever done a game show where there was as much blatant cheating? I you know, and it we, was you and I've done a lot of game shows together. Yeah, you know what I think it was is we were we had a demographic. That really was was taking advantage of all technological things to cheat in ways that we're not used to seeing. So there was, I think, there was texting going on, maybe lip reading. I I was looking for lip reading and I couldn't see it. I was looking for eye contact. I couldn't see it, but there was a lot of phone looking. Anyway, they had fun. It was great. That's that's the key to the whole thing. Bars are wild. This yeah. is what's going to happen. You yeah, know, it's they just... had uh, they had fun. Their answers were too eerily specific to have played the game <laughs> legitimately. But after it was all said yeah. and done, uh, so if you guys are ever looking for a great place to go, a nice Irish pub, Molly Malone's on uh, Little Road in uh, Newport Ritchie, Florida. Um, it was a blast. Ask for Megan, the bartender. She's absolutely fantastic. So, um, and let's see here. Um, so what happened uh, in this week's news? Anything you think of? Well, it's, we haven't said anything about the queen dying yet. I know that that's really kind of what's dominated that. Just that, and and the people are still talking about the 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 migrant stunt. So that's those have been the biggest stories. I think the last two weeks. I think the queen's funeral is still going on. I think it is too. I think it goes till what next Thursday, yeah. and the, and then they have a new coronation with Charles. I last think, think Lennon's funeral is the only one that's lasted longer, this because he's basically cryogenically <laughs> frozen. Yeah, in the Kremlin. I don't know. I I guess maybe maybe you share the sentiment, but I I don't care. I I, I, I will t- I, I, I will know, tell you this. It, you're it, more of a historian. I love it. They they the Danbury Met is releasing a coin with her picture on it. And I put a Facebook, somebody put that out there on Facebook, and I said, wow, whoever would have thought to put royalty on currency? <laughs> Hasn't her face been plastered over billions of pounds and coins all over their colonies all over the world? It's so weird to me that in 2022... She's plastered more than the Coca-Cola or Nike logo, for God's sake. She she is, and, and look Maybe at it. Let's make a coin. We've got a great picture on it, so you I might s- have a coin. I'll tell you what, the pound is going to be renamed the Elizabeth, and we're just They're going to call it the Betty. The Betty. They're yeah. going to call it the Betty. You got any Bettys on you? Yeah, listen, I've got to have at least six, seven Bettys for that. I'm not content, but I've got to have at least six, seven Bettys for that one. Yeah. Yeah, she gets. I, I don't. I don't know. I, maybe if you if you grew we up could British. come up with a Trump coin. Oh, boy! It says it's worth a billion dollars. It's really only worth a hundred thousand. It's worthless. It's it's like that. It's like that button <laughs> in your drug drawer. Worthless. Yeah, I like that. So, can I pay you with this? No, you'll I'll ha- you'll have to pay me a lot more on top sorry, of that. We we don't have a c- conversion for this currency. I'm sorry. We, oh, you 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 gotta love with that. a toilet though. Yeah, and I mean, whoever thought a 96 year old, you know. 
was was going to die. Whoever thought know, know, Dale Earnhardt would die in a car crash, Amy Winehouse of a drug addiction, or the yeah. crocodile hunter over uh, a wild animal, for God's just, sake. Just, um, you know, color me surprised, I think, is, yeah. is the phrase that applies here. Uh, that's how it is. Yep. Well, everybody, this is uh, Season 7, Episode 10. Today, little highlight, our Hall of uh, Shame segment, I think is is one of the ones that kind of, I mean, they've all kind of surprised me this year. When I think yeah. about Foreigner's not the Hall of Fame, Boston's not the Hall of Fame, uh, even Willie Nelson, we discussed that, not in the Hall of Fame. But uh, this week, we have a band that is just absolutely amazing. I know when I say their name, you're going to just belt out all of the songs that made them popular. Buffalo Springfield. <laughs> I know what you're thinking. Crickets is what I, I, I mean, I'm familiar with the name of the band, but I really, with a gun to my head, I wouldn't be able to pick out one. And going against them is somebody who is not in the Hall of Fame, but I signed a petition online today to put him in, Mr. George Michael. Not. Crazy. In the Hall of Fame. Crazy. that. And we're going to compare the numbers, um when we got going on here uh and our uh i've been looking forward to this one our mount rushmore segment this week muscle cars actual cars from the muscle car era 65 to 75 we agreed we would go 65 to 75 and uh and and cars that were basically engineered and designed as muscle cars american cars by the way not talking ferrari lamborghini right, or we porsche kind of narrowed it to anything uh, like that so yeah we can we got a little up, more specific we which come is... up with a bunch there and uh, let's see what else we got going on. I got a really good hitch slap this week, and uh, you got a good Carlin got clip a, coming yeah, up. Carlin's corner. But I think it's time. Hey, gang, oh. do you know what time it is? Yeah. It's time for the Florida Man Game Show, brought to you by Game Show Party, right here in the Tampa Bay area. Florida is famous for its crazy Florida Man headlines, with all the crazy stuff done only by a Floridian. Well, in this game, both of our hosts are sentenced to 21 days in the county jail. Each of them will be read three real headlines from the newspaper or the nightly news, and they must choose wow. which one is fake. The reader will do their best to convince them of which one they should choose, and they must either agree or disagree, like Hollywood Square style. If they answer right, they get one day off of their sentence. If they're wrong, they get one day added to their sentence. Let's see who gets out of jail first. Now, let's see what crazy stuff Florida man has done already. We're hovering around respectability right now with our, our we're still in the teens here. We're never going to get out of jail at this point. I'm just, I'm trying to think positive. We need, we're getting better at, 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 at just kind of keeping afloat. Now. Are we? I don't know. Because I feel like I'm taking one step forward and two steps back, for God's sake. Maybe this is the day that you, you, you break the streak. Well, we're going to change it up because I'm going to let you go first and give me All my right. headlines this week. Usually yeah, I go maybe first. Maybe that'll do it. Maybe that'll Maybe do I'm it. the alpha in this relationship. I don't know. I'm <laughs> sick of it. Are you ready? Here we go. Florida woman on meth took joy round. Florida woman For those on- of you that speak English, Paul's going to try that again. Uh, Florida woman on meth took joyride through Walmart, drinking wine, eating sushi. Florida woman dies performing liposuction on self in drastic weight loss attempt. Florida man attacks parents over flavor of pork chop. So I'll read those again, try to not blub my way through. 
Florida woman on meth took joyride through Walmart, drinking wine, eating sushi. Was that on Black Friday? Or does it say? It doesn't say. Okay. Florida, that sounds like a Black Friday activity. As far it as I'm sounds concerned. like, yeah, that's the tradition. Florida woman dies performing liposuction on self in drastic weight loss attempt. Florida man attacks parents over flavor of pork chop. All right, so the second one. That's a big bitch. Uh, that's what they'd say in uh, Deuce Bigelow. Um, okay, so woman goes on joyride, probably on one of those electric carts, I'm assuming. Uh, drinking wine, eating sushi at Walmart. Because you know nothing says quality sushi. Like Walmart prepackaged California rolls. Quite like Walmart's prepackaged yeah. sushi. Yeah, I got um, you. Woman doing liposuction on herself. I have heard of those headlines. Whether it's been a Florida woman or not, do not know. Okay. Um, somebody beating the shit out of their parents over a pork chop flavor. Uh, I've done it. If they're bad enough. Sometimes I'm, you want lemon pepper and you get... I'm going to say the fake one <clears throat> is the liposuction. Did I get it? You got it. I Ladies it. and gentlemen. I felt it. You felt, you felt it? You felt it? I felt it. Whoever felt it, dealt it. All right. There we go. All right. That sounded you, a little... And that way you just kind of, you just zoned in. You didn't overthink too much. You, you my just, gut instinct yeah. said, I feel like I've heard that headline, which means I probably have it. All right. <laughs> right. Now I am down All to, right. I'm down to 17 days. I'm tied with you. Let's see if you can keep one day ahead of me. Because if we do ever get out of jail, you better get out of jail before me. I'll get it, Gail. If you. not, bad stuff's going to happen. I'll, I'll slip you a shank or something. Something like that. A plastic, uh, plastic fur. Mm-hmm. You'll figure it out from there. All right. Here we go. Here comes your first one, Paul. Good luck, by the way. Thank you, thank you. Florida man attacks karaoke host with nunchucks over him not having his favorite song in his catalog. I didn't know you were going to be in this game. Uh, I didn't know I was going to be in this either. So a Florida man attacks a karaoke host with nunchucks over him not having the guy's favorite song in his catalog. Okay, okay. Your second choice, it's a Florida woman this time. Mm. It's a woman of the female gender, the species. Florida woman crashes car into house while praying with her eyes closed. Okay. Florida woman crashes a car into a house. It doesn't say if it's her house. Neighbors, doesn't say. A house. A house while praying with her eyes closed. Okay. And your third option, we're back to Florida man now. Guy with a penis. Florida man (laughs) arrested after accidentally... Texting a detective, not his wife, which was intended, with a confession of murder. Florida man arrested after accidentally texting a detective, not his wife, with a confession of murder. Boy, some convoluted ones here. And that uh, that always makes it a little difficult because... so a Florida man attacks a karaoke host. You don't have my favorite song by Muse. With a, with right, with a very odd and specific thing. That's I mean, true. sure, there's some of those neckbeard types, they call them, that think might about, collect them. Think about the people that come to karaoke, though. Yeah. They look like the type that could be swinging the chucks. Some of them do. Some of Florida them. woman crashes a car into a house while praying with her eyes closed. Yeah. Or a Florida man arrested after accidentally texting a detective... Unintentionally, Boy. not his wife, with a confession of murder. That's a that's a tough one. If it is a fake one, it's a really good fake one because it's it's kind of plausible 
because there's a lot of things that could lead to someone if, if your friend is a detective you know if you are a detective uh it's a possibility i mean i'm gonna call a little bit of bullshit on that one because who has a detective's number in their phone it it would have to be a friend not someone that you know and that and not necessarily. You know what? Like thinking about shooting out a text where I confess to killing somebody, so I'm just gonna, I'm gonna make sure that I get a number that's close to my wife's. Yeah. You know, Detective Simmons. Here we go. Right. No, it's it's unlikely, but if someone committed a murder, they might not be thinking clearly. So I'm gonna go with the nunchucks as the fake one. You're sure? Yes. You want to make that your final answer? Yes. We both did well today. We did. We felt we felt our guts. Sometimes when it's too perfect, I'm like, you know what? That could happen. And then and then usually when I rationalize it that way, I'm wrong. So we'll chalk it up to luck and positive energy. Good job. It worked. Nicely done. We're moving on up. So uh, it's time for Hitch Slap. One of my favorite, okay, segments, yeah, what's, uh... fa- favorite segments of the show. Christopher Hitchens, a tremendous author and... Um, Contrarian. Mm. He always referred to himself as a contrarian. I, I did. I did pick up one of his uh, books, um, and it's a book of short essays. Okay. I'm going to start reading reading those. I may use some of those in uh, next season. I'm sure it's wonderful. I I would miss his voice though. I think because his voice lends such a. It's got such a great cadence and 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 timbre as it as it ooh, were. Ooh, but timbre. His, yes, but his mind is is still interesting. So I would imagine the essays are as well. What is uh what is the topic in this? This one's uh, this one's a couple minutes long. Um, he's uh, he's being interviewed by someone who's uh, talking about his book, uh, God is not great: How Religion Poisons Everything, and the guy's trying to kind of trip him up and say, well, you, you can't you can't say that you dislike religion because in your book you you show respect by doing this, and in your book you show respect by doing that. And I, I think he uh, I think he handles the uh, the equation uh, pretty well. Yes. It's a questioning mind, and uh, you sort of assume to some extent that when people accept their faith or cleave to their faith or take it on absolutely that the mind stops questioning. Well, yes, that's why I find it annoying when people say you've got to respect faith. I mean, if people have to have faith, that's fine. If they want to believe that their prophet and redeemer was born without using the birth canal or only using it as a one-way street and was later resurrected and, and uh, though apparently didn't really die, died for our sins. Either did or can't make up their mind about that. Fine. Uh, but I don't see why I should respect it. It seems to me that I don't have to respect someone who pu- announces in public that he's willing to believe anything he's told. You have a, mo- a certain modicum of respect, though. You write about your two marriages and going along with the rituals, and that's, in effect, uh, kind of acquiescing a bit to oh. religious respect, isn't it? You no, know, if I go inside a synagogue, which it takes a lot to make me do, for a bar mitzvah, say, friends. Of course, I put on a skull cap and observe the protocols. And the same if I go to a mosque, I'll take off my shoes. I, I don't. I, it's very important as a matter of etiquette. And it's also, if one believes in the multicultural ethos, to actually know what the etiquettes are. But it's etiquette. But I don't. Than, but I, I do not respect. Rather them, than respect for I religion, do not, yeah. I do not respect these places really. I mean, if I go to a synagogue, I'm going to somewhere where people pray every day. Dear God, thank you for not making me a woman or a goy. I don't. Can you believe that? Yeah. That's like literally the opening of the, uh, the basically the um, what's uh, what's the word I'm looking for here, the 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 real the crazy Jews. Um, what's the word? Um, 
Yeah, I'm not, not fundamentalists. What are they called? Hasidic. Orthodox. Orthodox. Oh, oh yeah, very, very. How unorthodox for me not to figure that out? Yeah, the um, the Orthodox Jews. Their their prayer starts off by thanking God for not making them a woman or right. or, or a goy. So that was kind of just a, a not so thinly veiled shot at at that religion directly. Well, it's interesting because it was. I, I give the other guy, uh, the other debater here, or or interviewer interviewer a little bit of credit for at least sounding composed and and challenging him in a way that i think was respectful but i do think there is a difference between etiquette and respecting an institution you can etiquette you can that that has to do with respecting the people around you and their and their day and not causing a distraction or or you know that doesn't mean you have to believe what you're doing or get into it you know if he's going along with his wife or his friend it's out of respect to his friend and and what they do, and those are two separate issues. Respect. Like I said, I've, I've been um, I've been to. That's so a uh, false equivalent. Gosh, over the years, I've probably DJed. I don't know how many bar and bat mitzvahs, well, even b'nai mitzvahs, um, and I was engaged to a Jewish girl yes. back in ninety two, ninety three. Mm-hmm. And if we mm-hmm. had gotten married, which I'm kind of glad we didn't, but if we had gotten married, I was absolutely ready, willing, and able to agree to raise any children we had in the Jewish faith. I didn't care. Right. That's kind of where I come from, and I think where Hitchens comes from, is we don't care what you believe. We really and truly don't. Right. Just keep it to yourself. Yes. Don't indoctrinate it into our government, <laughs> into our school systems. And if I choose not, I mean, I was uh, sitting in um, Lowe's the other day, sitting, because walking is, is a pain. I right. sat down in the rug section, old lady walks by me, and she was, you're sitting on my rug. And I smiled at her and said, and I'll come to your house and sit on your rug for free after you buy it. And so she said, well, what happened to your foot? And I started talking. And she had a back problem. And I said, well, I got a back problem, too. And we chatted for a few minutes. And I said, yeah, I'm going to go get a spinal epidural done on my back that will relieve that pain. And and uh, hopefully won't have to have surgery on the old uh, you know foot here. Maybe it just needs to be immobilized for a while. And, and and she came back with, well, I'm praying on mine. I'm praying that the good Lord heals my back. <clears throat> and I looked at her. I said, that's great, but I'm going to go see an orthopedist too. You know, I don't want to be disrespectful. I didn't mean to look at her and go, you know, you do realize Jesus doesn't exist and he's a fantasy. Right. I didn't do that. And there's a time and a place to pick your battles, and that's part of what I think Hitchens' argument is, is it's etiquette. It's not the time. You don't, you don't just make a, a storm and a huff because you don't believe in something um you know just you could privately articulate that so how could this be news interesting you're your host solio and smith oh, thank dave thank just you. dave just pointed at me from the control room and ah. said remember uh, he because i told him before we started the show because he's here live a lot of people don't realize that he's right here we lock him in a booth yeah he's locked. yeah he's exactly. alive he's, he, alive. he's there <laughs> ladies and gentlemen he's there he's locked in a screen I'm actually going to interact with him now. Oh, oh boy! All right, so yeah. we're just we're just kind of on. Yeah, we gotta set up his. Dave, say hello to everybody. Nope, he didn't say anything. Oh. He's basically cutting me off right now. Okay, he's no, saying, he brought up something I, I I saw on uh, the internet, so it has to be real. Sure, verifying um, all that. Right now, physicists have proven <clears throat> they have proven that they can create something. From nothing. They have proved during doing a physiological experiment that they can create elements hmm. 
from nothing. From absolutely nothing. And that's been that's been the religious people's biggest claim against atheism or in case intelligent design. The, there's no the, way to create something yeah, out of the, nothing. The Big Bang could well, not have happened just on its own. <clears throat> it had to be created by a creator. And, and then you get into well, well, what creator created the creator, and what creator created the that chicken, creator's chicken creator. and the egg again. Yeah. Uh, so on they a they, scale, they but... now they now have basically come up with a way of explaining. Now it won't it won't help those who I just know. choose not to believe. Right. Because you can look at them and go, you know, this is a softball, and they'll go, no, it isn't. It's actually hard if it hits you, so it's not a softball. Well, it's a softball in the sport of softball. Softball's not a sport; it's a game. They've got an answer for everything. Just semantics and... Yet if we come back with an answer, they go, you're arguing. And that's one of the things I love having discussions with my wife because she goes, you're just arguing. No, I'm defending my position. That is not an argument. I'm not just... I didn't like the argument clinic on Monty Python. Yeah. The guy pays. He goes, all right, $5, go to room three. Walks in and goes, hello, I'm here for an argument. No, you're not. Yes, I am. I paid for it. No, you didn't. He said, I paid for it right there. I'm coming here for an argument. I'm going to have one. No, you're not. Is this isn't an argument. This is purely contradiction. Long pause. No, it isn't. <laughs> I don't argue for the sake of arguing. I want to defend my position. Yeah. So uh, thank you, Dave, for reminding me about that. Because, uh, yes, now they have actually kind of proven that you can create something out of nothing. That's So if, if you take that away from the religious Christian conservative <laughs> right, I wonder what they're going to say next. They're going to go, nuh-uh. Yeah. They'll have to find a way to, I guess... Uh, maybe get the message out in a clearer way or, or show an example of something specific. And it's still, though... But their, point, still, their, their entire points are always muddying things up. Right. That's And that's the problem, is no matter what evidence you show them, they'll come up with some way to just dis- discredit it because it doesn't fit the belief system that they've crafted. And it's just, you know, it's, I guess, a certain type of mind who is drawn to religion as an organized thing versus, uh, you know, just... You know, I feel like the people that think a certain way are afraid to learn, uh, afraid to think critically. Did you see the uh, Bill Maher movie, Religious? You know, I have a copy of it, and I never watched it. Would you? Could you believe that? Dude, it is absolutely hilarious. The yeah. things that people say in this movie I are, believe just, it. are just and beyond. Hence the title, I, I would assume. Religious, um, right. But yeah, the, the hoops people go through, the mental gymnastics, that's a phrase I hear a lot nowadays, that, that people will go through to justify their feelings and their, and their beliefs. Um, and it just, you know, because going against that would destroy everything they knew from the time they were young. They don't realize that their religious indoctrination purely has to do with their parents getting together and where they were geographically born. Yeah. Because if you were born in uh, northern Saudi Arabia... You're Wahhabi Muslim, right? It's totally if, arbitrary. If you're if you're born in, in that India, sense. you're more than likely going to be Hindu. Yeah, it's it's regional, like regional food, right? You know, if you're in if you're in Louisiana, you probably like to eat crawdads and you like Creole cooking, and just the same with with. If you're from Boston, you want some crab cakes and lobster. Yeah, it's it's regional things and, and influence from culture and religion being a strong part of certain cultures. It's pretty big in the South and very strict. Uh, and it's it's more progressive in other areas. By the areas. way, you know why the draft age is 32 in Boston? Oh, God, why? They get them right out of high school. <laughs> it's funny because there's like, isn't there like more more like Ivy League schools in, in, in Massachusetts than anywhere? Don't they yeah. have like all these lawyers? Well, they I have think to they ship, have like great lawyers. They have to ship the people in. 
So it's not like the you know, the people locals are going there. Well, yeah, I'm gonna go to Harvard. They found a good way to, to claim credit then. Yeah, Talk come about. come over here. Go to this. Uh, go to the yard there. Yeah, go and, to your pocket card, Harvard Yard. Yeah, we yeah. claim uh, claim all these smart people. Different. You like apples? How about those apples? Oh yes, Goodwill. Great scene from Goodwill Hunting. Uh, all right, you say you got a Carlin clip for me? I do. This week, what uh, is what so, is uh, the great and glorious Carlin so he, talking about? He's talk, He calls this talking about soft language. I think that's a little uh, misleading because when I think of soft language now, I think of like the woke stuff. This is long before that. This is from probably, I want to say, the early 90s, this clip. But he talks – it's more about dehumanization specifically of the, the people in our military um, as it relates to terminology and all, all – uh, Gotta love Jorge. Love him. And that was probably from the early 90s, that clip, uh, when... uh, Operation Desert Storm, Operation Desert Shield, Operation Look for Weapons of Mass Destruction, Operation Not Find Any. Right, all that stuff. And and he was really so good at identifying that trend before anybody uh, realized what was going on. And, you know, it sounds like a way to just shield people, but in a way it also dehumanizes the people that engage in, in 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 the operations, I, I always love I always love Carlin's way of uh, deciphering you know words. He goes, uh, it used to be called the cockpit, but people didn't like that. Had the word cock in it, so now we got to call it the flight deck. Right, the flight deck. 
<laughs> I didn't even realize you couldn't call it cockpit anymore, but uh, I guess I could see people having a field day with that one. Yeah. Cause... Well, it's like Beavis and Butthead. Right. You need to get out of the cockpit. <laughs> you said cock. Yeah, cock. Cockpit. I'm going to get slots. Slots, yeah. Have you seen the, the new uh, Beavis and Butthead movie? No, but I hear it's really good. It is. So it's, it's nice really to good. hear that Mike Judge still has it. Yeah, it's really good. <clears throat> Especially <throat> if you're a fan. I love it when somebody says, well, I didn't saw the movie, but I never saw the cartoon <laughs> on, on MT." Stop going to see stuff you don't have any right to go yeah. see. Beavis and Butthead, you know, I don't know how, how the original cartoons hold up because at the time they were shocking because you didn't really see cartoons acting that way. But Mike Judge was also like a kid. But he's such a great satirist, and he's he's matured as a satirist even. So I could imagine him blending the, the, the ridiculous immaturity of those two with all of his intelligence and worldly experience now could make for great writing. I absolutely love watching the old Beavis and Butthead clips when they were <clears> like <throat> basically narrating MTV's videos. And that was really the strongest part the, of the that show. That was the start. You know, and yeah. sure, the Chris Isaac video. Yes. Um, it was like uh, what's that what's wicked that? game yeah so you hear you hear in the, in the video he's like making out with this amazing it's like a real sexy video yep on a beach and you hear me was like yeah yeah boom i saw yeah. boom butthead i saw boom i was great it stuff. was like the mystery science theater 3000 but for me like music yeah, then you hear, teen, then you hear butthead go calm down Beavis. that was just side boob yeah it was a great it added a great dynamic, and it kind of broke up the show a little bit. <laughs> yeah, I got a boner. Beavis was basically like you know Adderall for for every kid at that age before it was you know a thing. I tell you, I, one of my pickup lines in the early '90s. Uh, you know what my favorite pickup line was? Um, uh, Hi, I'm Rob. You want half my shit in five years? Oh boy, you you, you had a premonition, huh? And uh, Jesse, one of the regular callers to the show, my son, his favorite pickup line is, "Hi, I'm Jesse. Do you like red flags?" <laughs> father that's, like son that's funny it's such a great pickup line but one of my favorite pickup lines was i'd walk up and go hey baby and if the girl laughed i knew she had a sense of humor and knew beavis and butthead right and we could possibly later have sex right. but if it, she would go what are you talking about yeah I'd don't go, call me that you were just trying to be ironic i i, I, I would go i'm not interested in you anymore so yeah speaking of picking up it's chicks good, in bars i gotta tell you i gotta tell you a funny story the the, the actual bar that this happened in is still there. The building is still there, and the neon sign out front was still there last time I was in okay, Daytona that's... Beach. The bar is called the Other Place. Oh, sounds how how sounds... cool? How kind yeah. of you know how cool? Very chic, chic, and uh, cliche, and all this kind of stuff. Uh huh. So in uh, spring break 1985, uh, I was down in uh, Daytona with two friends, my buddy Daryl who was a Ken doll. <clears throat> okay. Picture every good-looking 80s kid from every 80s movie, big man on campus, so good-looking. He, he could have been like the villain in the 80s movie. He was like the jock bad guy. But yeah, the, the, the karate kid, you know, Johnny finish, finish him, that kind of, that kind <laughs> yeah. of stuff. And, uh, All-American guy, yeah. Yeah, and basically all of the uh, – he, he's a Ken doll. Babe okay. magnet. Did he have girls. the even down to the hump on his uh, on his groin? <laughs> Dude, he he would wear a sweater over his shoulder, tied and tied in front. You he, can't make this shit he up. Played it up. Now, so we're driving from uh, Indianapolis down to Murfreesboro, Tennessee, in his little Opal GT. You remember what an Opal GT looked like? A little miniature Corvette. Okay. Real, real small car. So we drove down to Murfreesboro. We were going to pick up his cousin Scott and use Scott's car to drive down to Daytona for spring break. 
So we go to uh, Murfreesboro, Middle Tennessee State University. Mitsu, go whatever their mascot is. Yeah. So we get there that night. They're having a party in his dorm, and we meet some girls and stuff. And, oh, you're going to Daytona? We'll go with you. No, you won't, because we have a Toyota Tercel. We barely have enough room for the three of us. Right. Yeah, we now, know the drill. Scott, if I had to tell you who would play Scott in the movie would be the guy Ernest P. Worrell. Know what I mean, Vern? Know what I mean? Know what I mean, Vern. Basically, Scott had this sudden accent, and he wasn't much to look at. So we have Daryl, who's a Ken doll. I'm kind of the middle guy. I'm good-looking guy, sort of, especially compared to Scott, but not as good-looking as Daryl. So we figure we got all the bases. You got it covered. You got, like, all tastes for all women. So we go down to the Quality Inn, Ormond Beach. We get our hotel room, and strangely enough, we were in room 420. I don't know how <laughs> So we go to this bar the other place. And it is wrought with women. Just spring break, every girl there. It's spring break in the mid-80s. Everything you want in the 80s and 90s and today. So so we go in, and we're scoping the, scoping the joint out, and Daryl goes over and starts talking to these girls. I go over and start talking to a couple others. and We spend three and a half hours there. We somehow lose Scott. Uh-oh. Now, we're in walking distance of our hotel. I don't drink, but I figured if they got too drunk, they could walk back, whatever. So uh, I end up deciding to head back to the hotel because I had struck out. I'd hit on three or four girls that night, and nothing was happening. And sure enough, get back to the hotel room and start to open the door, and I hear Scott go, Hold on a minute! And he, and he comes to the door, and uh, he's like... Uh, can you give me a few minutes? I got to get her out of here. I'm like, who's her? And uh, sure enough, about ten minutes later, I'm sitting in the hallway, and this absolute gorgeous, stereotypical '80s girl comes mm-hmm. out, looking like I don't know, like Pat Benatar had sex with Lita Ford, and they had a beautiful girl. Um, and she's she's she waves at me and kisses Scott on the mouth and leaves. And I'm like, dude, I saw her at the bar. And he goes, yeah, that's your, yours and Daryl's problem. I said, what do you mean? He goes, y'all go in there like you're a sniper, like you're like you're basically out looking for a deer. You're like hiding in the woods, and you got your scope out, and you wait for that one way far away, and you take your shot, and you miss. He goes, I go in with a 12-gauge shotgun, and I just start shooting. I figure I'm going to wound one of them. His theory was, and I watched it in action the next night. I decided I was going to basically kind of walk behind him, just be an earshot. And he'd walk straight up to a girl and say, hey, you want to dance? And if they said anything other than yes, whatever they said, he had a comeback. So we're with you? He goes, no, not with me. It was a buddy of mine across the way. I don't think you're all that pretty anyway. And he'd just walk on. I mean, nothing faced this guy. Just playing the odds. Yeah. Playing the numbers. Like he said, numbers. He would hit on 20 women. And one of them would say yes. Mm-hmm. And me and Daryl were focused on just these two or three that we saw, like top of the line, kind of punching above our weight class. And we ended up coming out with nothing. I think uh, he was the wise one. I can tell you, now this is, everyone's experience may vary. I met my wife online. And one of the things that I found. Same, same place Trump got his? Uh, right, yeah. No, definitely not. No, not, not from a. How much you pay for, anyway? Yeah. Um, 
And what I found just while I was on the site is you sort of have to just give a brief glance of a profile and send out one line. It's got to be personalized, but just one line. Don't invest any more than that. But you got to send it to about 20 or 30 people because A, you don't know who's active on there. B, you don't know who's a bot and who's not real. You don't know who's got red flags and issues. You don't know if they do respond, if they're going to even speak good. If, you know, if, if they seem like they're unintelligent, to me, that was a weed out. So I would you just... You mean boo-boo, Paul boo-boo. McCartney was in a band before Wings? <laughs> yeah, that's a problem. Yeah, whatever you need to weed them out. And, you know, my opening line to, to my now wife was just one line. It had to do with, oh boy, locks of love must want you or something like that because she has very long hair. I just left it at one sentence. She responded in a way that was grammatically correct in a human way. And it was... I didn't even think she would. I, I, there wasn't much on her profile. But it was numbers game for me. I'm just go, 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 go. I didn't care if they didn't write back. And if they did, I could read it and ignore it or engage back like I did. I so. can handle a no. Right. I can I can handle no. Me too. I prefer a yes, but I can handle a no. Yeah. It, Jerry it, Seinfeld, Jerry Seinfeld, excuse me, had one of the greatest pickup lines. He'd walk up to a woman and go, you know, you may not know it from looking at me, but I can run really fast. <laughs> <laughs> Those are great lines. Uh, it's just it's silly. You know, it's disarming. But yeah, every, everyone's different, but I think that what if, if that's kind of how we approached it, there's a lot of truth to it. You know, th- out, of, out of 10 women, maybe one's interested in you. Know, who knows? It depends on the night. I would, lo- I would love to hear from uh, some of our female listeners or listener. Um, I'd love to have them send in pickup lines that worked and pickup lines that yeah. didn't. I think we know, I think as guys, we know some of the ones that didn't. Did it hurt? When you fell oh, from heaven? Yeah, the cheesy ones. Are you tired? Because you were running around in my dreams all last night. Right. The ones that everyone's heard, that would be that would make me cringe because I just feel like another piece of meat. Like, how many people have you used? I've heard that. Like, come on. So I would imagine those don't do very well, even though some sound clever in a vacuum. But if you keep it simple, personalize it, or if you just have a little bit of a pre-plan. Like you said, he had a comeback, right, for, for every... Maybe a funny one, maybe a defending one, maybe just like a get out of there in case it goes south. But he sounded like a planner. Speaking of getting out of there and going south, (laughs) have you ever had a date where you arranged the escape phone call? Um, I didn't really ever have to rely on anyone else. I just kind of let the night come to the conclusion or maybe end it early, just kind of. So she just crawled out the bathroom window and left you there with the chat? Yeah, right now. You were okay with that? Smarter, smarter than bringing anyone to my house on a first date, fortunately. But yeah. uh, now that way, you, if it's a bar somewhere, you can you have an excuse to duck out. reason I, I bring it up. But the, I see uh, the reason. The movie The Breakup was on okay. last night with Jennifer Aniston and Vince Vaughn. And uh, I forgot how absolutely depressing that movie really was. I, I remembered it as a rom-com, and I remembered it had a realistic ending because they don't get together in the end rom-coms can get dark sometimes not too many though most yeah. of them have that stereotypical they want the happy ending they they have a meet cute then they have the fun interaction yeah then they have their the friendships and so on and so forth but there's something in the background that somebody isn't telling somebody and right about the time that he or she is about to tell him or her about it they find out about it from someone else out of context boom huge explosion i'm never going to see you again and then there's always the no i've got to get to the airport before she gets on the plane uh-huh. no, that's the stereotypical kind of the hallmark form in this one they meet on the street and you figure they're going to get back together and they're like all right take it easy bye realistic yeah realistic movies <laughs> see ya 
Yep, exactly. Be safe. So, uh, <laughs> all right, we're going to be back with uh, segment two right after this. You are listening to The Lighter Side of Dark with Solio and Smith. I am Smith. And I'm Solio. We'll be right back. Looking for something unique for your next event? Try Game Show Party, where we bring all of the classic game shows that we've all been seeing our entire lives. Shows like Family Feud, The Really Wed Game, Match Game, Pyramid, Wheel of Fortune, Fun Style Jeopardy, and many, many more. Game Show Party brings the full size TV style game show to your next event. Great for fundraisers or parties. So for more information, check out GameShowParty.com or call 727-531-8880 and book your new game show event today. Hey everyone, this is Solio from The Lighter Side of Dark, and I want to talk about my favorite bakery in the whole world, Cuppy Cakes. If you live in the greater Tampa Bay area and you have a special event coming up, a wedding, birthday, getting off probation... I want you to give them a call, go to their website, check out their work. It is impeccable. They've been around since 2011, and they make the most incredible custom cakes you'll ever see. www.ourcuppycakes.com, where you can find them on Pinterest, Instagram, or Facebook. Check them out today. I promise you won't be disappointed. Cuppy Cakes, where life is sweet. Welcome back, and now to the second segment of the show, where our hosts feature their vast musical knowledge. Vast musical knowledge. When vast. I think about us, I think about vast musical knowledge. Deep as a puddle. That's yep. me. Why does, a, why does an ocean deep as a puddle? That's Hello, my, Hal. That's Here my, we are. That's my musical knowledge. And now it's time for... Hall of Shame. Or Hall of Shame. Hall of Shame. This week's Hall of Shame... Oh, by the way, we have to talk about Foo Fighters. Okay. Because I put it up on the Facebook oh, right. last you were week. Curious to get some feedback. I was. I'm interested to know what the prevailing thought. I'd imagine there's arguments for both sides on them. They seem very split. All right. So far, we have one no, another no, a yes, and another yes, and a no. So that's three no's, two yeses. Yep. So the so nope, like the, nope, the nope still have it. They still still edge it out. It's 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 it has some support. It does, and it may maybe over time, you know, some sometimes musicians are more appreciated the more time goes on. As you look back at their body of work, so maybe it'll tip the scales scales uh, of public opinion for them even further. Any of the yeses were probably generated by uh, our live caller Jesse last week. He <laughs> made a made a pretty good point for himself. Absolutely. Like, you, knew, no. you, knew, you knew Rob D. They they sold out Wembley Stadium. So did the Spice Girls. That kind of put a I know kibosh on that. Although the Spice so Girls did, did crank out a lot of hits. So for, did One for Direction. You know. Yeah. Uh, yeah. One Direction. Down is a direction, isn't it? Yeah. Well, Harry Styles is the guy who survived the crash. Paul, all I can tell you is always shave your styles. Nobody likes a Harry Styles. Mm-mm. They don't. Yep. That's Mans- manscape your styles. Your styles. <laughs> yeah. So uh, this week's Hall of Shame. We are going to go into the uh, resta room of the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, located mm-hmm. in, of all places, 
Cleveland, Ohio. I've been there. Um, and we're going to go into the stall that's marked Buffalo Springfield and ask them to pick up their stuff and leave. Buffalo Springfield, in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Again, ladies and gentlemen, right now I want you to start thinking, hey, all those Buffalo Springfield songs that we know and love. Paul, rattle one off. Uh, the uh, For what it's worth would be the one that everybody knows. The War Song. Now, it, uh, looking at the cast, I, I see Something it's another case of people who were super group type exactly people clear. who were part of this group for, I think, There's two years. They were active, 66 to 68. Yeah, ooh, Stephen Stills, yeah. Neil Young, Bruce Palmer. So, wasn't Messina? And Messina, Jim Messina. So, I feel like it's another case, and, and uh, let me pull up their, their Buffalo, their uh, Buffalo, their Billboard Buffalo chart. Zero number one hits. One top ten hit. That's this, that's For this what it's song. Worth. Great song. Which most people Great don't song. even know the title of. I love, love the song. Uh, five songs total in the top 100, but this is the only top 40. Uh, song for what it's worth so we're looking at a group that essentially is getting in because of the members again who went on to do great things so i guess i'm a little confused by the by the uh the argument for it and why the group the individually sure the hall of fame yeah, I'm, I'm just confused. I'm confused by a the two logic. Year, a two-year run. Yeah. Vanilla Ice lasted longer. Because I'm thinking, okay, this when you when you call them buff, the Buffalo Springfield, you're calling them as the unit. Like, you're I, in my mind, you're referring to them as the unit that they are. Not, well, this group had Neil Young. It also had Stephen Stills. It had Jim Messina. It, it, so you have to hit Palmer. So you have the to Crosby, put them in. Stills, Nash, and Young. Right, like I get that. Had more hits. That would be where you could make an argument, but Buffalo Springfield, as its own, I, they seem to like the influence, the influencers or the or the like. It's what I'm noticing a trend does, but I don't know if I agree. This with that. year, please welcome into the Influencer Hall of Fame. <laughs> Seriously, we're back to the the current t- terminology. Tabitha Johnson, who's a YouTube influencer out of uh, Florissant, Missouri. <sighs> Can you imagine when they start making awards like that? Because you know oh they will. God. Oh yeah, absolutely. Influencer like top influencer of the year. I, they probably have it. I just avoid it. But so yeah, Buffalo Springfield. It, bizarrely in as a group yeah but george michael ladies and gentlemen not, not, in, not the in the hall of, of fame. fame not in the hall i said not in the hall not, not. absolutely not in the hall will you start not the damn the song thank you michael Now, this is, of course, when he was with Wham. Yes. But he's really kind of a two-person group, so... I'm sure he did most of the writing. He was a songwriter for me. This one went number one, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, I will have to verify, because I have George's on so... Let me look up the billboard for Wham. That will probably... Another uh, Wham hit, I believe. Uh-huh. So, let's check out Wham, because since he was such, basically the sound. So this will, 
Everything She Wants was number one for two weeks. And uh, Wake Me Up Before You Go Go was number one for three weeks. And then Everything She Wants followed that, or actually, uh, yeah, followed both of those. And that was number one for two weeks. And then he said, fuck this, I'm just gonna make faith. I don't need this other guy. Yep. Um, yeah, that's bizarre to me. So, not even not even factoring in Wham's success, which was, again, likely... Just, it's, it's like the, literally the cherry and the whipped cream and the nuts and the and the chocolate syrup on top yeah. of, of an incredible solo career. So here's his solo career numbers. Eight number one hits. Here's uh, that was Careless Whisper. Which I believe he wrote when he was like 16 years old, um, if I'm not mistaken. I don't know when it was actually recorded, but... Can you imagine... I apologize in advance for the misogynistic remark. Can you imagine the pussy he would have gotten if he was straight? You know what? Maybe he tried it at one point thinking, you know, these she's so beautiful. Maybe I like vaginas. And then he tried it. He's like, nah, I like this. like Robin Williams in Birdcage. Oh, what the heck? Let's try it with a woman and find out what all these straight guys are all fussing It about. wouldn't shock me if he tried it and just, just couldn't get into it. And he realized, you know, it's not a choice, man. It's just, yeah, that's what I like. The saxophone part in Careless Whisper. So 80s. Incredible. This and Baker Street are probably tied for the top. And, and the heat is on. <laughs> oh, yeah. Heat is on. Top three. But I got to tell you, one of my favorite songs by him is this one. And this is also Wham, actually. But he wrote it. Last Christmas. It actually did not chart until 2017, if you can believe that. So people must have hated this when it came out. So that song actually didn't chart last Christmas um, until 2017, if you can believe that. I know why. Which show? It's got to be a show. No. <laughs> no? George Michael died on Christmas 2016. Oh, oh so that, that song probably went to the forefront and then now became That's why. That's why. I, I, I think that's probably one of my, one of my favorite Christmas songs of, uh, of all time, without a doubt. And that was, uh, again, that was, that was Wham! that he wrote that with so th that's not even taking into account we, we haven't even gotten started on George Michael's solo work now we are Faith as you're uh, playing the intro to here four weeks at number one in October of 87 till December this song tricks people into thinking it's a church song great intro I have watched white people dance to this song. You just kind of shake your butt back yeah. and forth, I think. Yeah. Like he does in a video. If you grew up in the 80s... I would have loved to have been him if he was straight. Not if he was gay, yeah. but if he was no. straight. That album was sex. I mean, even the song, I Want Your Sex, said it flat out right on there. Funny you should mention <laughs> that. Uh, didn't hit number one, but it peaked at number two. Interesting that it got so much airplay considering how really gratuitous it is uh definitely the first song that i remember to be so blatant about i want to have sex with you flat out there's always you know in you know, into 
animations and, and just like undertones and double entendres. This is like, no, I want, I want bad company. Sex. I just want to make love to you. Right. Like, nope, I want your sex. That's and, all and, I'm really interested in. Yep, and it, it really ushered in a new, a new era of, of, or you know, Madonna was part of it too, but new sexuality wave. Are you saying that there were nasty stuff in Madonna songs? Oh boy, is that what you're saying? I don't think so. Mm-hmm. Oh girl. So, uh, father figure. Ah, uh, you recognize that right off the bat. Right off the bat. Now this, uh, let's see, number one, two weeks at number one, January sixteenth, nineteen eighty-eight. Not in the Hall of Fame. Yeah. We're, we're not. We're, I've still got six more songs to play. So he had eight number one hits, fifteen top ten hits, and nineteen songs on the Billboard. How do you have eight number one team. hits and not automatically be in the Hall of Fame? He point. must have been such a knob to 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 have that much fame and nobody put them in. It's like God, was he just a dick? <laughs> you said knob. Yeah, that's what I mean. I think it was a dick. It doesn't make sense. A very accomplished and songwriter. And he's been, right, a songwriter, singer, songwriter. Um, Faith, like, if you grew up in the 80s, were a teenager, were a kid, were an adult, young adult, you had Faith. Everybody had that album. Uh, whether it was the CD or the or the tape. Kissing a Fool. I like to play this song during dinner and weddings It's and very, just a beautiful song. Smooth, jazzy. Uh, shows his range as a song singer songwriter. As a songer singwriter? Songer singwriter. That's my new. Has he ever done anything rock balloting? You know, I, I don't you know if he's a person to ask that. about that, rock balloting. I don't know if he crossed into that threshold. This song, by the way, peaked at number five in October uh, through November of 88. Yep. Kissing a Fool. So another top 10 hit for him. We're still just counting down the hits. This one's yeah. my favorite song. You know, it's so funny. I was just about to say, I, I, I did not realize this hit number one for two weeks. I love this song, Monkey. The song was, about addiction, I'm assuming, yeah, if you there, listen there, to it. There literally was, and I cannot make this up. Casey Kasem made a rude comment about this song. It was caught. It wasn't ever played on 1840, but I found it, and I'd love to find it again. And... It, 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 it goes something like this. Coming in this week at number 17, George Michael. He's got a monkey on his back. He's, and then the song, and then he oh, forgot right. to kill his mic. And Is he that said, the who writes this? And, no, and, and he's like, he goes, George Michael got a monkey on his back. And the song's supposed to come in. Mike was left hot. And he goes, and I bet it's getting kind of crowded back there, George. I mean, oh my God, love Casey. Uh, I did not hear that. I wonder if the monkey is going to be able to get the man off your back. Uh, yeah. Who has the biggest tits? George Michael's girlfriend. They're tattooed on, their, on her husband's back. So, uh, yeah, Oops. Monkey. Great song by George Michael. God, if he said that today, that would have ended his career. Cancel culture. Cancel culture. You just did something I didn't like, so you must die. I feel like Twitter is the reason. Twitter just, all these people just bitch real time. And everyone just cries. And then everyone changes. This is one more try, by the way. Yep. Another number one song of his. Three weeks there from April of 88 till May of 1988. This might be his ballady, one of his balladier songs. Now you're, now you're just, a rock, just adding extra words on to rock balladier. Now it sounds French. Oh, la balladier. There's grenadiers and there's balladiers. He's a balladier. 
one more try. Gosh, we are just flying through the George Michael songs. And again, ladies and gentlemen, he, this is Hall, the Hall of Shame segment. He's not in the Hall. Yeah. This is uh, early, now we're getting into early 90s, George Michael. Uh, seen, white people dance, 90. seen white people dance to this one, too. October till December of 1990, this uh, peaked at number eight at Freedom 98. It's interesting because there is a freedom. I, I I don't know if it's on maybe one of Wham's albums, and I it's nothing it sounds nothing like this. So I wonder what made him redo that song and release it. This is the one that became the hit. But freedom, ladies and gentlemen, freedom, freedom. What we're talking. Catchy little piano riff. I always liked his incorporation of guitar. Yeah, guitar is very pronounced in his uh, dance music. Well, l- look at the opening of after the organs uh, on Faith. That that little uh, yes, that organ. His, his organ was out on Faith, but that's a good example of it. It's just him shaking his ass to the acoustic guitar, very basic chord progression. But it but it really has a lot of uh, impact in that song, and it certainly it picks up a little. But it has like a almost a little country flair to it. In the solo. Uh, yeah, I'll give you that. And this is praying for time. I know this one charted. I don't know how high it got. Uh, it actually hit number one. For, it hit one for really? one one week. September uh, of 1990 is when it debuted. Sometime between then and October 13th of 1990, it hit number one for one week. I don't remember that, but I didn't remember much. I remember that it was a, a popular song. I didn't realize it got as high as number one. I don't really recall hearing this on the radio very much, but it could have been the stations I listened to. This would have been on uh, WGAY, Gay Rock all the time. Gay Rock, coming at you Love live. Love the taste of man. Uga. From the Uga. This is his last hit. Too funky. Too funky. Ladies and gentlemen, George Michael is too funky. And I bet it's getting crowded back there, George. 1992. It hit uh, number 10 uh, between June and August, so a summer hit for him in 1992. I remember this video. Fashion. As, fashion a, as a matter of fact, I was doing a, uh, a fashion show. And great. Several, the finale of all the models coming out, they wanted this. It's a great choice. And uh, I was cranking this sucker up full blast. He actually did have one more hit. I wasn't a song I remember listening much to, but uh, 1996, Fast Love peaked at number eight. Fast oh, Love. here it is. Here it is. Yeah. I don't really recall that particular. Uh, but that's because he was so busy cranking out hits, I couldn't keep up with the guy. Cranking out hits and something else, I'm sure. I'm not quite sure I recognize the beginning just yet. I think it becomes it more of a dance moment. song, if I'm not mistaken. But it's so different from his his stuff. But he is kind of all over the place. He's very has a lot of range. Well, it picks up here. Yeah, yeah. It's probably aimed to be a club hit. I would assume. Has it has a little faster than middle of the road, but it's it's you know it's a head bobber. Maybe that's what he was looking for as a head bobber. I, I bet he was. <laughs> 
That's his way of... Uh, he's had his share. See, ladies and gentlemen, if you haven't figured out, he was gay. gay? I, I think gay. he'd still be here if he had a little a little less. Oh, I'll tell you what. But I, I, that guy, yeah, as, far, as far as good looking, um, I'll never forget when Ricky Martin came on the scene in the late late 90s. Uh, I was married to a woman who uh, was working in a beauty salon, so... Obviously, I'd go there and pick her up and all the women. <laughs> and they were, oh, Ricky Martin, oh, he's so hot. Yes. I said, you realize the guy's gay. No, he's not. I said, yeah. yes, he is. They go, no, he's not. There's no way a guy that hot, that physically hot, and all those videos with all those women and the way it's, he dances could possibly be gay. I said, so, I got two words for you, George Michael. Rock Hudson. I mean, it, yeah, people put on an act all the time. Yeah. I knew every. I think everyone knew he was gay then and just didn't. it wasn't talked about and he never spoke to it. It was sort of well, don't ask, we, don't tell. We, we discussed there's a lot of artists that were always gay or lesbian, whatever the case may be, but they established their fan base before they came out. Right. And he, he was one of those. Yeah. Um, he, he is had, out, though. He had, so. a, he had an established fan base. Then he came out. We, we don't care. Right. We knew. It's like if Michael Jackson just would have come out as gay and got some help with his issues, I don't think anybody would have given a damn. I wouldn't have. Right. I, I love his music. He was just, I think, so destroyed emotionally by the time you re- had it. It was so his sad. Childhood was, yeah. was 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 ripped. An abusive from him, and neglectful childhood will, will do really damaging things to the human psyche, and I think he's definitely an example of that. Anyway, well, last week's uh, uh, well, the one where we got rid of the Foo Fighters that one struck a nerve because there's a, a lot of comments on there. It's well, a controversial gonna, pick. If you're going to throw them out, then you need to throw out you know NWA. You need to throw out this and because the, the NWA had no commercial hits. They sold so many records. Yeah. They basically... They got it, around the radio. At least in my opinion, they did create a genre. Yes. They popularized a genre at the rap, very least. Rap and, and, had been established by groups like Eric B. and Rakim, Run DMC, Grandmaster Flash and the Furious Five, Sugar Hill Gang. It's very basic, though. Rap was in its infancy at that point. Mm-hmm. Uh, Grown-ass men, but the, the actual genre was just getting a little bit of play. But there was no such thing as gangster rap. There was right. no such thing as hardcore rap. Public Enemy and NWA. Yeah. They, they, they really dug into social issues that were truthful. It wasn't glamorized. Well, it was glamorized in the song a little, but, but they were trying to draw attention to life in the ghetto, life where there's gang warfare and, and the fact that cops don't give a shit or are there to beat you up. I would, I would imagine this. If you had Flava Flav walk down the center of a street with that big-ass clock around that skinny sun gun's neck, right. people would walk up and get their picture taken. They knew who Flava Flav is. Sure. Yeah, boy! Yeah, he's a caricature I mean, he, made, he made an entire career out of saying two words. Um, yeah. And you see Ice Cube, Easy e Dre, DJ Yella, I mean, MC Ren. These guys were they did develop uh, a genre. Yeah. And they there's a movie, I don't know if you heard or heard about it, called Straight Out of Compton. Huge hit movie. Everybody loved that movie. It was a critically acclaimed success, box office success. Yeah. Where's the Foo Fighters movie? Where's the Bohemian Rhapsody of the Foo Fighters movie? Hell they did a movie about freaking Richie Valens and we kicked him out of the Hall of Fame. <laughs> I mean Sorry, you know, Richie. Ray Charles had a movie. Johnny Cash where's the Foo Fighters movie? I don't know, maybe it's coming later. It's it's, it's it, got an interesting story. It'll you know, come being, in twenty five years, maybe, and maybe it, when they're when they're running out of other groups to well, do. Um, you know, it, it would be it would have to be about him though. You know, that's the thing I keep going back to. Dave it's, Grohl. It's Dave Grohl because he was there for the birth of grunge, being part of Nirvana as a drummer, and then becoming the front man for a different band that he like. He is the one that has the interesting story. Foo Fighters are part of that story, yeah. I think. So yeah, 
they'll have a, a maybe a maybe the Dave Grohl. I don't know what they'd call it. Learning to fly, maybe. Yeah. So, ladies and gentlemen, I, I, I can't, I can't, with all conscience, all good conscience, put the Foo Fighters back in. I haven't been sold on the idea yet. And you, you guys had a chance, uh, Jesse. You could have sent that link out to a whole bunch of uh, <laughs> the the Foo. The Foo Fan Club? Would that be the Foo Fighters the Foo, Fan Club? The Foo Fans? The FFFC, the Foo Fighters Fan Club? Sounds That sounds good to me. Yeah. Better than the current FCC. But we got to get, uh, and by the way, there is a poll, excuse me, there is a uh, petition online that you can sign to put George Michael in the Hall of Fame. I signed it today. Oh, really? Yes. So you can go to www, I don't know what the fuck it's called. That sounds um, good to me. But just put in uh, George Michael Hall of Fame petition. <laughs> It'll come up. Do you think name. that influences it a little? Or, or do you, like, has it ever, has public pressure like that ever? Obviously, there was an outcry to put the Foo Fighters in. <laughs> <laughs> public outcry there. Maybe. Jesse and a whole bunch of friends of his from high school. <laughs> I guess so. All right. But uh, you never know. Public can be weighed by a lot All of All right, pressure. guys. Well, that's going to wrap up uh, that segment. We'll be back right after this with our Mount Rushmore segment of... Muscle Cars. You're listening to the Lighter Side of the Dark, episode uh, 10, season 7. We'll be right back. This is Christopher Walken, and I want to tell you, you're listening currently to the Lighter Side of Dark podcast. Hey, everybody. Rob Smith here with the LST podcast. Do you enjoy trivia? Do you have a favorite bar or restaurant that you like to play? If you're looking for something new and fun, consider Team Text Trivia. It's better than paper and pencil trivia, and we don't ask a bunch of questions that hurt your head, or people yell out the answer, which is, who cares? It's all about TV, movies, music, sports, general, and what's in the news today. You play directly from your phone, so there's no paper to worry about, and speed is the key. The faster you get your answers in, the more points you get. Fantastic for bars and restaurants. If you have a bar or restaurant you'd like to consider them to try Team Text Trivia, have them call 727-531-8880. And we'll get a booking, and you'll be able to come out and enjoy Team Text Trivia with us. Or visit them on the web at teamtexttrivia.com. Hey everyone, it's Solio from the lighter side of dark. Let's be honest, 2020 has not been a lot of fun so far, and we could all probably use some laughs. When I need some laughs, my favorite place in the world to be is at Sidesplitters Comedy Club in Tampa, Florida. Live stand-up comedy every Wednesday through Sunday night. Nationally touring acts, there's even acts you've probably never heard of that are hilarious. If you've never seen a live stand-up show, I want you to go. They are so much different in person, and they are so much better. You feel the energy. You really feel like you're part of something special. Sidesplitterscomedy.com. You can get your tickets online. You can pick out your seats online. So you can sit wherever you want. If you want to be in the back because you're afraid, that's fine. You can do that. Go to Sidesplitterscomedy.com and grab your tickets today. Sidesplitters Comedy Club presents our Mount Rushmore segment, where Paul and Rob talk about the top four in any number of categories and themes. You know what I think you forgot last week? Who was at the split? I think we forgot that last uh, well, week. Well, I got it now. A couple, a couple of our listeners said, uh, what the fuck, Paul? What the hell? Was? No, they said, what the fuck, Paul? They used it, the F word. It went all the way? Yep. They were mad. They were angry. My language is They had to go to their own website and look it up their damn self oh instead of having everything handed to them, damn millennials. Well, fear not. I have the information for this weekend in front of my face. 
uh, part of the Offend Everyone tour. So this should be interesting. This week from uh, September 22nd, that's today, Thursday, through the Sunday the 25th. It's Aaron Berg and Luis J. Gomez, part of the Offend Everyone tour. Sounds like good family fun, I guess. I'm loving that. So Luis, Luis J. Gomez, he's a comedian, writer, and get this, podcaster, you'll never guess, out of New York City. Uh, podcasting, the new business card. His podcast is uh, called Legion of Skanks. Mm-hmm. And he's appeared on Last Comic Standing. Hey, there was a dorm in my college that we called that. <laughs> yes, that sounds more. LOS, the Legion of Skanks. And then uh, Aaron Berg, the other uh, fellow on the Offend Everyone tour, made his Comedy Central debut on This Is Not Happening in 2016. Except it did happen. Uh, except it did. It did. Uh, How I, ironic. I, I think I think I understand where he was coming from with the title. but So yeah, they'll be paired up for the Offend Everyone tour this weekend at Side Splitters. Good deal. The split, ladies and gentlemen. The well, the Mount Rushmore segment this week is one that I've been trying to work into our uh, our show for as long as we've been we've been doing it. We did do the top four car songs. Okay. Yes, driving songs. I think. No, we, no, we, car songs. Oh, songs, songs about cars. cars. And we also did the top four driving songs. Songs like "Radar Love" and 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 stuff like that mm-hmm. and uh, and stuff and but. Now we're looking at actual muscle cars. Now, you're, I guess, how much younger? 15 years than me? Um, I'm 59. I'm uh, 15 then. Yeah, 44. I'm 44. Okay, so 15 years difference between us. So when I was 15 or 16, it was late 70s. Late 70s. Okay. You were just being born at that point. Yes. You know, your mom was in a good mood. Your dad was aggressive. You showed up. Um I grew up with these muscle cars were the cars that everybody wanted in high school. And we had a great cruising strip on the south side of Indianapolis called uh, South 31. And the, the cars, the muscle cars from the 65 to 75 era, we could afford them. We could get them. We could find them. We could build them up. That's what I was going to say is that's, that's what's interesting part is these are so coveted. Even now these are looked back fondly. But there was a time before everyone ruined everything with money. That you could actually get it, you know, fix it up yourself. I know your brother's a great mechanic yeah, great too, mechanic. and I could I could work and, the cars and you and at you that age. are too. Uh, but I know that you could lean on him if you needed to, because you and, could open the hood and see the engine. You could right. open the hood and reach the the spark plugs. You could put a timing chain in. Yeah. Now, oh my God, my car my, my car is in the shop right now. I have no fucking clue. It's like a right. hybrid. Most of it is covered under stuff. It's electronic. It needs this. It's it's like getting plug it in. Oh, your your DM53 valve is clogged. Oh, okay, That's part I... of that, you know, what people are afraid of, that whole right to repair thing. People just want to fix their damn vehicles if they can. It's a, it's a lost art. So we are looking at actual muscle cars. Cars that were built in Detroit, MI for Michigan. Detroit, Michigan muscle cars. Cars that were built for speed and for power. You want to go first, or you want me to? Um, yeah, this is definitely not my area of expertise, so uh, I'm going to probably have to lean on you a little bit here, um, and I'll a, let you go first. A and... car that was absolutely built purely as a muscle car. Okay. Little GTO, Ladies and gentlemen, Pontiac's version of a muscle car, the GTO. Grand Touring Obligata, I think, is what is what the GTO stands for. But in the 70s, so if we had one. We referred to it as just these gas tires and oil. 
<laughs> sparked it, an entire trend. It was uh, 1964 was the original version, but by 1969, they were already getting some competition from other models. And they came out with a version called the Judge. The Judge. That's, that's it. Now, this car, ladies and gentlemen, was hugger orange. Bright. Bright orange. And it had a tack, a tachometer, built into the hood. It was one of the only cars that ever had a tachometer built into the hood. This car was built purely for speed. 450, 455 cubic inch engines under the hood for those sons of bitches. Damn. And it even had a model called the His and Hers Hurst. Hurst was a shift a shift maker. And they developed like, they only made like 500 per year. And it was a automatic. So if you pulled the gear shift down, park, okay. reverse, neutral, drive, second, and first, right? That's a typical right. um, Prindle, P-R-N-D-L, uh, the Prindle. But if you if you had the his and hers Hurst, you could pull it down to the drive, and with your fingers, click this lever up, kick it over, and you're in first gear, okay. second gear, third gear. So you could drive it almost like a stick. And a buddy of mine had a 69 GTO that was a Hurst. And this thing was the fastest production car I've ever ridden in. I've ridden in some pretty fast cars yeah. in my day. So the GTO, for the, those of you that have never seen what one of them looks like, look them up. They're an absolute, beautifully designed car. Very curvy. The late 60s models, the 68, 69, and 70s. Some of the most beautiful curved lines I've ever seen on a car. And I love orange. So yeah, better, judge, than, better than some women, and that's saying something. These cars, the these coves. I yeah, tell if, you if a woman's built like a uh, like a 1992 Audi, no, not my not, <laughs> not my speed. There are differences. Yeah. That's true. If she looks like a Studebaker. She looks the same going away as coming towards you. Not exactly my kind of chick. So uh, yeah, Pontiac Pontiac GTO would absolutely positively qualify as a muscle car, a car built for speed. Really, just for that and power. All right. All right. So, so you checked in, you, have you uh, taken your mas- masculinity uh, pill for the day? You ready to ch- chime in on this? <laughs> I mean, it has to do with what I know and what I don't. Um, I was like, I had uh, Cara was blue. But, uh, yeah. Um, I mean, I don't, I'm going by name recognition. So what about a Dodge Charger? Would that be considered uh, I a, think, iconic or enough? No, or? I think the Dodge Charger absolutely positively qualifies as a muscle car. Okay. Good choice, Paul. I, okay. Nicely Thank done. Thank you. And one of the most famous Dodge Chargers of all time, the General Lee. Yes. Right. Yes. Who didn't want to have the General Lee and, and imagine that the frame didn't break every time it jumped across a, a dirt chasm, yeah. evading the police yep. in a way that was oddly fun. How many that, bridges were out in Hazard County? All of them. All of them. Is the answer. Pretty the, much there yes. were no bridges in Hazard yeah. The bridges of Hazard County. I just need to County. get over to her house. Well, I can see her house from here. Yeah, but we got to drive out of county. There ain't no bridges uh, that are any good here. Yep, the, uh, the, basically the Dodge Charger. Have you pulled up a picture of the Dodge Charger Daytona? Yes, that's the one. It almost looks like something out of like a video game Super that has bird. like turbo boosters. You see, you see the Superbirds? They've got the big whale tail on the back. Yes, that's what I'm looking at. the pointed front end. Yes, yes, yes. It looks like a missile almost. Yes. Arguably, or a plane. That car was legal in NASCAR for one year. <laughs> then they made it illegal They're because like, it was okay. too fast. It's like they changed the ball, the baseball for a year in baseball, and they, someone hits 90 home runs, and they're like, okay, I think we need to yeah. dial it back a little those, here. Those cars, if I'm not mistaken, they uh, they were Hemis okay. or 
Uh, I Sounds believe it was a 392 were the biggest engines, but the Hemi, uh, a Hemi engine is a pure stroke of genius. Um, it, instead of the spark plugs coming out below the heads, the spark plugs are actually built into the valve covers. The valve cover gaskets, the two things that sit on the V8, they actually go right down into the cylinder. Okay. So the valves are totally different in a Hemi. The power that a Hemi engine provides versus a standard internal combustion is insane. Well, do you remember, I mean, John Reap, before he was John Reap on Last Comic Standing, he was the Hemi guy, and that was a really big selling point because they wanted to focus on what you were just talking about. And uh, now, if you, you saw Joe Dirt, right, he had a Hemi convertible that he got for like $100, mm-hmm. and then he put it in the shop, and, the, and, the, and, and he had to drive this old POS, which was a, a Dodge Charger mm-hmm. Daytona. Right. And uh, that car, that exact car, sold at the Mecham auction for nearly a hundred grand. Wow. Because of the iconic, I, iconography? Yeah, iconography. I, for, I, I, just I, I, iconography? Iconography. Enough. Sounds good. I like the way you say it. I though. think you can do Oceanography, it. Oceanography, iconography. Tomato. Sounds about the same. So yes, the Dodge Charger would absolutely qualify as, I think, top okay. four muscle okay. car. So nicely done. It's, as, see, as a casual, if I recognize the name, that, that must mean something. It stayed in the consciousness of, of even the the average consumer for all these years. So good yes. for you, Dodge. All Where right. are we going? What's next um, on the next, on the car ne- Next up, um, as much as I dislike, as much as I dislike these cars, <laughs> the Ford Mustang, ladies and gentlemen, um, though built Mustang as a driver, it became very quickly modified into one of the most um, powerful muscle cars, the Mach One Mustang. The Fastback Mustang that Steve McQueen drove. The green um, Mustang that Steve McQueen drove. Mm-hmm. Uh, I forget the name of the movie right now. Very, a, a very popular movie. Um, yeah, the Mustang started out, and again, we're talking about cars that have only ever been two doors. Right. Cars that are two doors. A car that can be made into a four-door that's you're, not really a muscle car to you're me. You're going to have a hard time convincing me it was a muscle car. Now, the new Chargers, the new ones that they done, they, they've done those in four doors. It was one of the worst things they've ever done. It's an okay-looking four-door car. It's kind of catering to two different market, you know, two different it's, types. Hey, I, I always wanted a Charger growing up, but now I've got kids. Right. You know, that kind of thing. And that's like, you no, know, just take the Charger out without the kids. Yeah. You know, what would have been wrong with just making a two-door Charger? It's a good excuse. No, sorry, kids. Yeah. Can't fit. So, yeah, the Mustangs, uh, when they first came out, had uh, typically 289s. Okay. Uh, some of them had uh, 350s, but then they eventually got blown into big 429s in those Mustang Fastbacks. Uh, some of them had uh, side pipes on them. They're absolutely a, a, a powerful car. And it is, it's, it's, a, uh, it's a Detroit um, must-have, the Mustang. Mm. Um, started off, again, long front end, short back end. Mm-hmm. Um, daily driver kind of car but very quickly by by the early 1970s a souped up hot rotted mustang was definitely a muscle car it evolved into that okay didn't start out that way it's it's had sort of a uh it's had its highs and lows it seems like the mustang has over the years i remember it had a bit of a resurgence maybe 20 years ago i remember all of a sudden around 2000 2001 
I remember seeing Ford Mustangs popping up well, all over the Well, remember they again. discontinued Mustangs for two years, and then they brought them back with that nostalgic style. I know, because my ex bought one in 2005. Okay. And it was a, a good-looking little car. Mm-hmm. It was a good-looking little car. She actually jokingly made a comment about how fast it was and how it could take on my Corvette, and I smiled at her. And I said, honey, I've driven both cars. Your car is quick off the line, but it's a V6. My Corvette with the Crossfire fuel injection V8, you'll get me at the line. Right. But, but you'll be seeing the Corvette the emblem race. pulling away from you to where you won't even be able yeah. to see it. I will leave you in the dust. But I said, I'm not even going to talk trash. Let's go over to the drag strip over in Pinellas County because they had one legal. Right. And let's race title for title. And when I win, I'll take your car and sell it because I don't like Mustangs. But I can't argue the fact that they absolutely should be on the top four of muscle cars. Not a specific model because the Pontiac GTO, that one purely built for speed, purely right. built for power. Same thing, like you said, with the Charger um, and, uh, and, and the Mustang. Never been made into a four-door, to my knowledge. Maybe, maybe I'm wrong. Yeah, no, I I think you're right, and what's the point of doing that? It, it defeats. It's you're you're kind of spitting in the face of your target audience a little bit, because they're getting away from what made it. A, 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 you know, I don't want to say a race car, but it's you know there, a lot of people used it for that purpose. Or normally liked. at this point we would be talking. Okay, now it's time for honorable mentions. I, I you know we're we're ready for number four here, and I don't think there's any doubt about which one should be. The fourth one on okay. this list, and I think you're about to call it. Uh, is it is it the Camaro, or is there is there like a Firebird that I'm, like I'm not sure. Corvette, okay, Corvette, Corvette, little red quintessential Corvette. American muscle car. Now you you had a, I had a you had a relationship with the Corvette, yes. if I'm not mistaken. I had a '77. And an '87 birth. What was your experience in in both of them? What you know, in terms of your enjoyment level or maintenance? Oh, you know, like God. what, what I you love. I love both of those cars so much. Um, one of my girlfriend's uh, father, when I first met him, actually we were just having dinner a few weeks ago, and I remember the story. I don't, maybe I only remembered part of it, but uh, I was meeting her her dad for the first time, and he said, uh, "Oh, you like Corvettes?" I said, red-blooded, straight American male doesn't like Corvettes. He goes, come here. He walked out in the garage, and there was this 77 Corvette. Uh, factory paint, kind of a tan color, just kind of a sand color. Um, he hits the garage door and opens it up. I'm like, wow, man, that's this is beautiful. Now, I will tell you, out of all of the years of Corvette, out of all the years, this is my least favorite. Set the 77? 77. It had no fin in the back. It just had a rounded back end, and it had that square back window and no storage. So I like the not bubble, as practical. I like the bubble windows yeah. or the early seventies with the little whale tail in the back mm-hmm. and the chrome bumpers. Gives it some some like personality too. Out of the clear blue, he looks at me and goes, You wanna buy it? I'm like, uh I didn't know it was for sale. He goes, Well I'll make you and the uh, Kimber, the girl I was dating, that's his daughter. He goes, I'm I'll sell it to you guys for, you know, six grand. And I'm like, Are you serious? So I went and talked to Kimber and said, we should buy this. He was at the age. He wasn't driving it that much. It was kind of uncomfortable for him to get in and out. Probably wanted to, you know, figure. And then the guy's name was Dave. And Dave was like, yeah, I'll sell it to you guys for six grand. So wow. we both punted up three grand a piece and bought the damn thing. 
It was absolutely fantastic car. Had I had a, a ten disc CD changer. Wow. Put in it. Okay. And the little manual. So modded a little bit up, up in the front. And um, I'm gonna see if I can find the the song. Yes, actually. Because you don't you don't not you know not I don't know many people. Uh, who who owned a Corvette at, at one point and just can speak to like you know the experience of driving it more than just ride going for a, a ride in it. So now, this, you know, you this, get a this to was one of the last have a routine. This was one of the last songs. Excuse me, one of the last cars to have uh, the the big uh, 350 in it, and had headers on it, so it was loud. And headers <laughs> is less restrictive on the engine, so you get more horsepower. Okay. And it had a shift kit. You know what a shift kit is? Uh, I, I know the term, but I'm not sure it what it causes the car when it shifts from first to second to third to slam into gear and almost chirp the tires. And what is what would be the advantage of racing? Of, okay, gotcha. Just, yeah, it just quick, kind of quick transitions and go. So now, in, in, in a 10 disc changer, in, in one of the older model 10 disc changers. Unless you're grabbing it and you're pushing it up to the disc you want and the track you want, it's always going to start with track one, disc one. Right. Every morning, yeah. I would go out. I'd start the car. People don't know the struggle of CDs. Ladies and gentlemen, I love this song I'm about to play. It's not a song that most of you have ever heard because it's got bad words in oh, it. Oh, no. So this, this song was literally the song. I could not start that Corvette without hearing this song. I'm just going to let some of them play for it. So, just started the engine. Getting ready to put it in reverse and back out of my driveway. Nuestra presentación especial comenzará en breve. Pero antes, un mensaje de nuestros auspiciadores. Every time I hear that song, I picture myself in that 77 Corvette driving to work. It's like a, a, one of those trigger memories. It was an know? anthem. And the song is called, called P-Control, right, Pussy right. Control. And uh, the, the, the week that Prince died in April of 2016, I was uh, working at a club over in Tampa. And people were, that's all everybody was talking about. She died on a, on a Tuesday afternoon. And uh, so, you know, we, we, we did a ton of karaoke and a ton of Prince karaoke that night. And I got a chance to sing that song on karaoke <laughs> for once in my life. The right. chances of singing Pussy Control at a bar. You can get away with it at a bar as a tribute on a very specific occasion. And, and I told take people, I said, I said, we got a lot of Prince fans out here, and they're all like cheering. I said, okay, y'all know Pussy Control, right? They're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I said, well, I'm going to sing it. I've never had a chance to sing it yet. I said, I can't hit the high notes that he hits. But as you all know, there going to be some N-words in this motherfucker, and it's going to be some MF-words in this motherfucker. So I hope you're prepared. Take it in context. And uh, it's just such a great song. But Corvette. 
then I got my, uh, that one was totaled by an old man who was about to miss his exit, put me under a guardrail at 65 miles an hour. Used that money to buy the 87 that I fully restored, painted competition yellow, whale tail on the back, loved that car, until the engine finally blew it in, and I sold it back in uh, 2011 before we moved up to the Newport Ritchie area. So I love Corvettes, and if you want to talk about some of the fastest cars, um, muscle cars, you'd have to be in the 67, 68, and 69 Corvettes where they had the 427 rat motor. These things were so big, they couldn't close the hood Damn. of these Corvettes. And remember, the hood opens this way on a Corvette, not this way. Um, and those were built purely for speed. Yeah. And they were also, the uh, Corvette's one of the first American cars to ever win the 24-hour Le Mans. It took it by storm. Hmm. Really, uh, the legend. Yeah. And the, the evolution of the Corvette has been uh, pretty amazing, too. The, the 53, I've been to the National Corvette Museum in um, Bowling Green, Kentucky, half a dozen times, taken the tour many times. Um, not a big fan of the early years. Hmm. The 63, the year I was born, the split window, is kind of the iconic Corvette of all time. It seems to be when muscle cars really started to pop, like mid-60s or so. Yeah. Like yeah, it really became 65 the, to 75 to 70, yeah. would be the muscle car They era. sort of found their, their footing and off in racing, yeah. I guess. I mean, cars were made into hot rods. Are you kidding? 1920s, T-buckets sure. were built into they, hot rods they modded in the 40s. Them. And the cars from the 40s and the 50s were modified in the 60s and 70s. And then they're like, why don't we just start with a modified one yeah. and then go from there? Build a car that's designed for pure muscle. Yes. They finally and said, fuck it. Where, where cars like the, uh, the the Corvette. Actually, the Corvette was uh, designed by someone who came back from seeing the two-seater sports cars in Europe during World War II and decided we need something in America. And it wasn't a popular selling car first two or three years on the market. Then the, um, the big, wide whale fin, shark fin, late model 59, 60, and 61 before they made the switch in 63. So, yeah, I think we're talking Mustang, Corvette, Charger, GTO. Um, we, we can talk some honorable mentions now. Those are, those are the big four. Uh, if you disagree, uh, we don't care. You're welcome to uh, actually uh, go on the Facebook page and make your comments yourself or call us uh, at, the, uh, at the number. But uh, I got one. Uh, the um, <clears throat> Challenger or Cuda. Okay. The, the Dodge Challenger and the Plymouth Barracuda. Very, very similar body styles. Um, essentially the same vehicle. A lot of the parts were interchangeable. Now, the reason I like the Challenger is because I had one. So my, okay. They are my favorite car of all time, even ahead of the Corvette. Right, really? Even ahead of the Corvette, as far as my personal favorite. Sure. Yeah, well, there's a lot of things that go into that decision, so I'm but, sure. But it, they uh... brought it back, you know, 10 years ago. They brought the Challenger back. Mm -hmm. The Challenger now is the closest representation of what the original Challengers looked like from the early, late 60s, early okay. 70s. Um, if you ever see the movie, there's a movie called Vanishing Point about a guy who's on a, uh, being chased by the police all over the on a cross-country race, and he's in a okay. white Dodge Challenger with a Hemi in it, and he's just leaving people in the dust. I mean, you can't outrun a radio, but he made it pretty close. <laughs> but the Challenger, the Cuda, the Hemi Cuda was one of the fastest production cars ever made. It was kind of like the Challenger was was the girl when you marry her, and the Cuda was the girl after you've been married for 10 years because the 
ass end got a little bit wider. <laughs> That's basically it. Still, but still, still effective. Yeah. So the Challenger and the Cuda could easily be an honorable mention where somebody's like, oh, Mopar, Dodge, you can't put a Ford on there. Eh, I don't like Fords, but you can't argue Mustang. <clears throat> I think sometimes, you know, recognition goes a long way and, and staying power. You have to give it credit for that, whether you like it or not. You got another one you can think of? Uh, if not, I got one for you. How about a Roadrunner? Plymouth Roadrunner. 1970 Plymouth Roadrunner Superbird. There it is right there. Hemi. Those things, those things were amazing. Four-speed manual. That's a big spoiler I'm looking at on this particular model. Very me, me. tall spoiler. Me, me. Roadrunner. <laughs> Roadrunner. I like that tall neck. Uh, Firebird or now? Yeah, Pontiac Firebird. Uh, honorable yeah. mention. Pontiac, well, there's the Chevy Camaro and the Pontiac Firebird. Kind, kind of, of like interchangeable. Brand of. Kind of like Challenger and Cuda. Yeah. Just kind of uh, interchangeable. Pick, pick your favorite company. Yeah, the Pontiac Firebird, especially when you think of the 75 Pontiac Firebird, which was the one that led to Smokey and the Bandit, the Trans Am. Right. So it was kind of a stepping stone to uh, another iconic vehicle. Yes. Pontiac now, uh, Again, Chevy came out with the Camaro to compete with the Mustang. They needed a two-door sporty car that could compete with the Mustang. Mm. So the Camaro was uh, evolved and ready to go at that point. Um, and I will, I'll tell you, the, the Firebird was, I think, a little sleeker than the Camaro, a little more rounded. Uh, the Camaro's been through a, a hell of an uh, evolution as well. Mm-hmm. They were kind of fat and kind of wide and kind of tall in the late 60s. Then the early 70s Camaros came out where they were lower to the ground, longer hood, sleeker, more rounded. They started learning from people's uh, experiences a little bit. Probably my fit. My brother had a 68 Camaro that he restored, and uh, I was the kid that always sold all the cars. So I had to drive it up to um, northern Indiana to sell it, and the um, accelerator would stick from time to time. And you had to quickly throw it in, throw it in neutral and turn the car off because boy that sucker uh, you'd be stuck back in the seat, that thing would take Damn. off like crazy. That thing was amazing. So yeah, Corvette um, the Corvette would have to be the Camaro and Firebird are kind of interchangeable. Okay. Um, another muscle car from that era, late sixties, early seventies, the Chevy Chevelle, mm-hmm. the Chevelle, the, especially the big wide bodied Chevelle. Most of them had 400s. Some of them had 455, 454, excuse me, 454s. Mm-hmm. And, um, and the, and the, uh, the early 70s uh, models had something called cowl induction. And on the hood, right up by the windshield, there was a little thing that would open up that would air would go across the hood and, and suck down in that to get air into the engine, the cowl induction. Interesting. So it was like the Batman cowl. That he, that he wears, the mask and the cowl. It's kind of like that. It's a cowl induction hood. Okay. Did that give a, like a little bit of a boost? Or, yeah, a little bit, a little bit crammed a little, a little extra. bit. A little bit more air into it. Interesting. Right there. And also, all of these cars, by the way, if you're talking about the years that I was growing up in the, in the Wonder Years decade of the 70s, every car had to be jacked up in the back end. And you had to put air shocks in the back. There were air shocks. That's what gave that car the, the, the stance okay. of the ass end was high, the front end was down low. That was a, 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 basically a, a symbol of a hot rod. So just kind of just a couple of tweaks to fix, again, like modding it. Just, yeah. just modding so it. Like, air shocks were very popular. And do you know what the most popular rims 
were. I don't, because people they, still... They were called Krager SS. Look up a picture of Krager SS. How do you spell that? C-R-A-G-A-R, and then SS. And the image should come up. And when yeah. you see it... Oh, yeah. Yep, yeah. Like a star, almost like a five five star. Yeah, Yeah. basically, you know, it looks like makes your car look like a Hot Wheels. Yes, Hot Wheels. because you kind of see the the, star right. Like when it's going fast, it has that. I don't know how to describe it, but like Krager uh, SS. You had to have skinnier tires on the front, bigger tires in the back. Fifties were really wide; they were about this wide. Sixties were about this wide. And 70 series tires are what typically goes on a car. Hmm. So if you had 60s on the back, you had 70s in the front, you were cool. That was that but was the... Had, but if you had 70s in the front and 50s in the back, oh boy, that car had a mean stance. <laughs> a very, very mean stance. The subtle differences that, a rims, that rims can make. Yes, absolutely. Now, um, you could argue and say that the 57 Chevy was a muscle car. No, I'll, I'll argue that with you until you're blue in the face. That was a daily driver, could be made into a four-door. Were they modified into hot rods? Absolutely. Sure. There was but, a black 55 Chevy in, um, um, why am I drawing a blank on the uh, the movie with uh, Harrison, not Harrison Ford, but uh, John, Graffiti, American Graffiti. Oh, American Graffiti. That was a black 55 Chevy that raced John Milner's uh, 34 Ford Coupe. Okay. So they, they, they all, any kind of car could be modified. Hell, I had an right. AMC Gremlin with a V8 engine <laughs> in that son of a bitch and big tires in the back. That thing screamed. It ran like a scalded cat. But I wouldn't consider a Gremlin to be a muscle car. Right. You just it tweaked it so it designed. ran more it like It wasn't one. designed to be. Yeah. 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 Have you ever owned a car that you would consider to be a, a muscle car or a car built for speed? You don't strike me as that kind of guy. Nope. Practical and or just, yeah, practical and, and gas mileage. And I've never really made enough to go buy You're going to make somebody a wonderful wife, Paul. <laughs> okay. Now, uh, speaking of American Motors products, American Motors AMC did have an entry into the muscle car sphere. Look it up. A, uh, a... An AMX. AMX. American Motors Corporation AMX. Okay. See what you pull up picture-wise. Two-seat GT-style muscle car. That's it. When you see the picture, you're going to go, man, that wasn't a bad-looking car. Interesting. It's got a very uh, hatchy-looking back in these photos, almost. They they had uh, 401s engines okay. in them, two-seater, which automatically make them a, a muscle car. But that was AMC's uh, entry into the foray of uh, muscle cars. A very rare car to find nowadays. Yeah, I don't know that I've ever even heard I've of only it. seen a couple at car shows. 68 through 70, so not, not, a, long, not a long production line. Nope. Uh, that's part of it. Hey, they were active just about as long as Buffalo Springfield. So yeah, pretty much. There you go. Yeah, so we just kick <laughs> Put them, them in the Car Hall of Fame. Kick, kick them out of the uh, Muscle Car Hall of Fame. <laughs> so uh, let's see if we can think of any other muscle cars from that particular era, 65 to 75. Um, like I said, anything could be modified and, and right. fixed up. But I think Camar- you know, Camaros and Firebirds, would I put them ahead of a Corvette? No. Camaros and Firebirds, would I put them ahead of a Charger? No. Would I put them ahead of a GTO? Definitely not. And and Mustang, 
They were they they evolved into a car that was built for speed, not built for right. comfort. Right. T Bird, T Bird, great car, but built for luxury, not built for speed. Yeah, they kind of got into more. Again, there's there's a very specific era of these types of vehicles because that's what they were they were hyper focused on that aspect. Well, I appreciate you uh, you know go with me on this one. Sure. And, yeah. uh, because it's not necessarily you know. Your your forte. You admit no, you've never even I, owned a muscle car. No, I've not. I just, just. Oh, I gotta throw in one more. And it's 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 an only an honorable mention. The Cutlass, the Oldsmobile Cutlass. Oldsmobile Cutlass. Cutlass Sierra is that different? No, d- definitely, definitely. That's, that's saw, like I, a, that's like a. I saw the movie Fargo. Okay. That's not a muscle car. Uh, Steve Buscemi. I got shot in the face. <laughs> So, um, so no, I, all right, the Oldsmobile the, Cutlass. The Oldsmobile Cutlass. Um, Let me pull that up too. Yeah, they were. They also were made into four doors, which which kind of kicks them out of the muscle car genre, really. Um, but the two door six late sixties to early seventies models, I had two of them, and they were great. They had the uh, the 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 rocket uh, rocket four fifty five in them in some cases, or the rocket mm. three fifty. Good looking cars kind of Chevelle-esque mm-hmm. kind of the definitely a General Motors product um, and they were quick you could also say the Buick Skylark the Buick Skylark yes exactly the, the, uh, um, um, uh, Mona Lisa uh, Vito from my cousin Vinny it could never be confused with the Buick Skylark. It's funny because somewhere along the way, the Buick became associated with old retired guys in the white Buick. I, I don't, uh, yeah. My grandfather had one years ago. I don't know when the shift yeah. occurred. But. The two-door Buick Skylark was Buick's entry into you could modify it and you could muscle yeah. it. But, but it was also a four-door car too. So you'd have to put the Cutlass and, and the Cutlass Supreme. Now, Cutlass came out with something called a 442, which was their edition of the Cutlass as a muscle car, which okay. also had the same Hearst, his and her shifters in it, that the uh, GTO had. Hearst made a limited edition 442 with his and hers dual gate shifters in it, too. Hmm. Not enough to make the Mount Rushmore, though. Right. Honorable mention, but yes, that's where... So if anybody thinks that we didn't cover the bases, screw you. <laughs> Do your own podcast, or you can uh, join us. And uh, put your information on uh, our Facebook page where Paul's going to tell you more about it now. Yes, you could just look us up if you have a Facebook, uh, Lighter Side of Dark or LSD Podcast. Both of those will bring you up. You can interact with us there. Uh, if you want to write us an email, listener at lightersideofdark.com. Listener, singular. And um, Twitter, Instagram at lightersidedark. Just however you want to yell at us. Any of those ways. You want to throw rocks? That's okay. We'll we'll throw them right back. Uh, Next week, we will not uh, tell you what our Hall of Shame is going to be because we haven't figured it out yet. But uh, we'll definitely not be putting the Foo Fighters back in. (laughs) That's for damn sure. Next week's um, Mount Rushmore. This is uh, episode 11. Only a couple more left after that. We'll be taking a break in uh, October. Next week will be famous Christopher Lloyd characters. Uh, that should be a really good show <laughs> so uh, yeah Christopher Lloyd characters either in TV or movies we'll be talking Chris Lloyd I met the man I can't wait to tell that story All right. yeah, next week personal touch well thanks for listening guys uh, be safe out there Paul it's been a uh, pleasure working with me it has hasn't it we will see you guys next week take care
The Lighter Side of Dark is a brainchild of DJs Rob Smith and Paul Solio and is meant for the sole purpose of entertainment, merely opinions of our host and not meant to be taken seriously. Written and produced by Paul Solio and Rob Smith. Edited by Rob Smith, announcer Dave Anthony. Original music provided by Seth Book and a local Tampa band, Noodles Magoo. You may visit the website at www.lightersideofdark.com or visit on Facebook at the Lighter Side of Dark podcast, available on most podcast formats and services. For sponsorship interest, please email at listener at lightersideofdark.com. Recorded at the Fame DJ School Studios in Spring Hill, Florida. If you've enjoyed the podcast, please go back and start from the beginning of the series. We appreciate you following our show.